SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hour number two of Cover It with Teddy Covers begins right now. Let's get into it. I want to talk NFL schedule release. And I waited for hour number two. I open right here. Craig Mish is going to join us later this hour talking MLB. And yeah, we're going to deep dive bet ons, bet against, good bullpens, bad bullpens, lineups that are going to cash overs, lineups that are going to cash unders. Yeah, Craig and I are going to break it down. But first, I do want to talk about how the Philadelphia Eagles season just got completely ruined. Now, when you get a list of your team's opponents, you know, you get the teams knew what their home games were going to be and their road games were going to be before the schedule itself got laid out. And we knew that Philly didn't have an easy schedule this year. But the way this schedule has actually laid out for the Philadelphia Eagles can only be described as a complete disaster. Okay, disaster. And if you notice, Eagles are playing a whole lot of games at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays, which tells us the networks don't think Philly's going to be any good this year. They have one Monday night game at Dallas in week three. They've got a Thursday night game as well. And that's it for the big TV games. I guess uh, in November they travel to Denver for a late game. I don't think that'll be the featured game. So we're not going to see the Eagles a whole lot on TV this year, which is perhaps our starting point for this discussion. One of the things I want to do, okay, Philly won, what, four games last year? And a losing team. They're breaking in a new coach. They're breaking in a new quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And not that Hurts, regardless of whether you think Hurts is the answer or not, that Philly for QB. He's a new QB, a new starting QB with no experience in the NFL, playing for a new coach, for a losing team last year. And some of that, a lot of that was interrelated a year ago. And yet you look at Philly's roster coming into this season and yeah, they're holes. <laughs> You know, there's holes in terms of skill position talent. There's holes in terms of wide receiver play. There's holes in the offensive line. There's question marks uh, all over that defense. It's not like you come into the season saying, yeah, Philly figured it all out. They fixed everything from last year. You come into the season saying Philly was a mess last year. They made a bunch of offseason changes. And now it's the beginning of rebuilding mode. So here's a rebuilding team, and this is what their schedule looks like. Okay, they have at Atlanta week one. It's, you know, not, not that the Falcons are a monster team, but heck, we heard Rob Vino last hour talking about how Atlanta's a bet on team and Atlanta over seven wins makes a whole lot of sense to him. Eagles are dogs in that game. Then they're home to San Francisco week two. And of course, this is the key. These home games for Philly early in the season. The 49ers are lined 10 and a half win team. They're supposed to be not just good, elite. The double digit win teams are elite. So, Week one, they're dogs. Week two, they're home dogs. Week three is the Monday night game at Dallas. Week four, at home against Kansas City. Oh, by the way, <laughs> again, the Chiefs, all right, lined 12 or 12 and a half wins. Line is the best team in the NFL. The first two home games, 
against San Fran, against Kansas City. First two road games at Atlanta, at Dallas. If things break well for Philly, and let's just say, let's give them a bad chance. Let's give them a break here. Let's, let's say they go 2-2. Two and two. I don't think they go 2-2. Two and two. I think they're likely to go 0-4. 1-3, and, four. One and three, possibility. Give them a half win against Atlanta and a half win against Dallas. I don't think they're going to beat the Niners or the Chiefs. Give them a half win. Okay, that's 1-3. and three. All right. Week 5 at Carolina. All right. They don't even get Carolina early when they'll be breaking in a new QB. Now the Panthers have some games underneath their belt. They'll be dogs in that game. Week 6, short week at home against Tampa Bay. The Bucks are aligned right there with Kansas City as the best team. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. Bucks lined 11 and a half wins. So first three home games, elite, elite, elite. They're tougher games on the road where their opponents look at them and saying, we can beat Philly. Would anyone be shocked if the Eagles were 0-6 after those first six games? I wouldn't be. Next, back-to-back roadies. they got to travel out to West Coast, to Vegas, and then travel out to play the Lions. And, and again, the Raiders and the Lions look at Philly. This is the team we can beat. All right? Give them a win. Heck, give them two wins there. Let's call them two and six at the halfway mark. That's reasonable. All right? At home, who do they got in week nine? The Chargers. <laughs> oh, by the way, the up-and-coming Chargers, who are lined as a nine-win team, a solid, strong, winning team. Oops, another bad, and travel to Denver. We just talked with Rob Vino about Denver being a bet-on team. The next week, at home against the Saints. They haven't had an easy home game yet. The Saints are lined as a nine-win team. Even if we don't like them, they're still lined as a nine-win team. Then the back part of the schedule, they get all their easy games. The Jets, the Giants, the Washington football team twice, the Giants again, the Cowboys. Their easy games are at the back end. All right, the division games are at the back end. But... When you look at a rebuilding team where their first five home games are all against elite foes and none of the first five road games are against bottom feeders. We're not talking about the worst. Maybe the Lions are a bottom feeder. Uh, but so are the Eagles. <laughs> you know, Philly's going to get off to a rough start this year. A very rough start. And when rebuilding teams get off to rough starts by the time they get their easy opponents in December, it's let's see who can play. Let's see who we can get some playing time. The Eagles' schedule release by itself just ruined their season. Philly isn't going anywhere in 2021, except for the last place in the division. Craig Mish coming up when we come back. MLB discussion on center stage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm excited about my next guest. First time I'm having him on the show, and I wanted him on because I don't know a lot of people that are going to break down baseball better than Craig Mish. At Craig Mish, M-I-S-H, is no C in there, on Twitter. You can hear him here on the Sports Grid Radio Network, noon to 2 Eastern time. Hear him on Marlins Podcast, his own podcast, Swings and Mishes. He's a senior baseball contributor at Herald Sports and an MLB Network contributor as well. We're talking about a guy with a pretty good resume. Craig, welcome 
to cover it. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on this uh, glorious day today. <laughs> no doubt. And, of course, I wanted to bring you in for some deep dive into MLB discussion. We're basically at the quarter pole of the season. And I wanted to start out talking about the most and least profitable teams in early season MLB play. And I want you to tell me, A, how surprised you are by the fact that these teams are either profitable or they're not profitable, and B, what you think in terms of future expectations. So let's just run through the list real quick and just give me a couple of sentences on each of these squads, whether you're surprised or not surprised, whether you think they're likely to continue to overachieve and or underachieve, or if you think they're likely to uh, revert to the mean. And let's start with the most profitable teams. And the two most profitable teams in MLB are both coming out of the Bay Area. The San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's. You've been backing those two teams for the first quarter of the MLB season. You've done fairly well. Are you surprised by either squad? Do you expect either squad to come back to earth in the coming weeks and months? Giants and A's, what's your take? Sure. Well, the Giants have definitely overachieved from the expectations at the beginning of the season, but what they're showing is they've taken on sort of a, uh, a new identity, I think, honestly, with the way that I've seen them play this year, which is they are, at, at this point, not convicted on playing the same players every single day, very willing to platoon, which is not Giants-esque. And their starting pitching in bullpen has been excellent. And in particular, they really have been able to mix and match the bullpen. And, and look, Gabe Kapler's first go-around in Philadelphia as a manager did not go well. Maybe he's learned some things. The other part of this is that now running the Giants is Farhan Zaidi, who brought the Dodgers to a championship. So um, I am surprised that they played this well, but I do believe they could be in this thing for the long haul. Now to win 90 games, I'm not so sure, but I would guess that they'll go over their season win total without a doubt. They look like they can do that, and I believe it was in the 70s, so that looks pretty promising. And they definitely have a shot at the postseason. In terms of Oakland, um, that division has been a massive disappointment. The Angels are not playing well. The Rangers are certainly not a very good team. And Houston got off to a pretty tough start. But I do expect that Houston to take the lion's share of those head-to-head games with the A's as they move on. And Oakland has been proven to be pretty streaky through the years, not just with their wins and losses, Teddy, but with their totals as well. They could just run off 8-10 to overs or unders over the course of the season. It's kind of who they are. So, um, Oakland, I think both teams legitimately could be in this thing from start to finish. Uh, I don't know that both will make the postseason, but their win totals in terms of their overs, I would say, look pretty good on May 14th. And, uh, again, when we talk about the Oakland A's uh, as a streaky totals team, uh, my single favorite baseball streak of all time was Oakland coming out of the All-Star break. I don't know. It's probably, I don't know. I couldn't tell you what year it was, unfortunately. Maybe probably six or seven years ago. A's came out of the All-Star break, and again, they didn't hit in the first half of the season, and their bullpen wasn't that good, and their, their baseline total was seven and a half. And they proceeded to go 31 overs, two unders, two pushes the next 35 games, and at the end of it, their baseline total at home was eight. <laughs> you know, the markets didn't even notice. Yeah, I remember that. And you just yeah, cashed A's no, overs think, again I, I and again. Even, yeah, I think it even goes further back than that. I think it was like, uh, I want to say like eight years ago, but I remember when that was going on. And they just kept going over every single game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're just a very streaky team. And they are getting some reinforcements back in terms of pitching. Their two best pitching prospects have been out for the majority of the season. One hurt his hands on a video game. 
And the other one is uh, former first-round pick A.J. Puck. They're going to get those two kids back. So I think both teams are in this to stay. Let's talk about the Blue Jays and the Cardinals, two more teams that have been profitable for their backers in early season play. Uh, Toronto uh, playing their last homestand in Florida. They'll be up in Buffalo uh, for the rest of the year. And, of course, St. Louis got off to a slow start. They've turned it on very nicely in recent weeks. Do you expect the Blue Jays and or the Cardinals to continue to be profitable, or is one of these two teams or both primed to regress? Well, I think that the Blue Jays, in you know, what's interesting about them is that they really don't have great starting pitching, and their bullpen has kind of been messy in the back eight, in the eighth and ninth inning, but they've been able to win a lot of games despite not having anyone that can really lock it down. They signed uh, Kirby Yates in the offseason. He hasn't pitched. Um, you know, they, they had this kid, Julian Merriweather, who started the first week of the season on fire for them, and he, he's missed every day since. So I, I think as time goes on, my issue with them is I think that there's going to be a lot of close one-run games that they're going to end up losing in. But I do think that they'll have a chance and certainly fight, I think, for the, uh, for the postseason. Um, and then in terms of the Cardinals, you see, the thing with the Cardinals, they've gotten off to a great start, Teddy, but they cannot afford to lose anyone. They're a very thin team, both offensively and defensively. Uh, they've been, and from a pitching perspective, they have been a model of health in a baseball season that has no model of health. They've essentially had everybody playing the entire season outside of Yadi Molina. And, uh, and let's be honest, that is going to change. Um, so I'm not as bullish on St. Louis. I think at some point they'll fall back a little bit. I expect Milwaukee to be better uh, once they get Christian Yelich back. I think it'll have a big impact on that team. In the American League, three teams that weren't expected to be anything this year have all proven to be profitable in early season play. The Rangers, the Mariners, and the Red Sox. Now we've seen Seattle come back to earth a little bit over the course of the last couple of weeks. But Texas and Boston continue to play. Uh, Boston's playing good ball. Texas is playing decent ball. Of that trio, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Red Sox, all of whom have been solid moneymakers, which one's likely to continue and which team's going to fall back to earth? Yeah, well, the Rangers, I, I don't like them at all. Um, I'm actually, of, of all of the, the teams that, that you sent me to prepare for this, I'm most surprised to see that they're profitable. I'm just guessing that they, you know, hit some plus 180s or something. I, it's yep. shocking for me to see, to see that because, you know, that's the one team that looks horrible from start to finish. Um, so I do not expect any positive trend to continue for them. Seattle's been okay. They called up a couple of kids. I'm not in love with their pitcher, but Kellenick should be pretty good. They have some reinforcements also. But, you know, the thing that as we dive into teams like this, Teddy, with Texas and Seattle, you know, profitable for what? You know, for May, June, and July? Because you know on July 31st they're going to dismantle whatever they have. So I would say for the next couple of months there's a chance of that. But I don't expect either team to be in the race, but I definitely think Seattle has more potential than Texas. So we've got just about a minute before the break, and I'm going to talk about the least profitable teams and some overs and under teams after the break. But there's one more team that's been making people money. And from a preseason perspective, they're probably the number one team on this list, and that, of course, is the Chicago White Sox, who've kind of turned it around off a mediocre start, and they're hitting the ball right now. Do we expect the White Sox to continue to be a moneymaker for their backers over the course of the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think that's probably the best team uh, that, that looks here, and, and, they, and they've really overcome a lot of adversity, having 
Eloy Jimenez out for the season thus far and not having Lance Lynn. So, Teddy, I definitely think so. Uh, the biggest surprise of all to me in terms of profit has been the Boston Red Sox. I've, I've not been shy about making significant bets at the beginning of the season on season win totals. It's probably the best thing that I do, and, and, and best among the worst. Betting, you know, to me is impossible, but I feel like I have a really good beat on teams at the beginning of the season. Teddy, I did not think Boston would be this good or even close. I, I would be heavy fading them the rest of the way. I just don't believe what I'm seeing is real. Well, I'm going to ask you because I lost a big bet going against the Red Sox earlier in the week. We'll talk about that after the break. Craig Mish, more coming up. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grand Radio Network. We've got extended time today with MLB expert. Talk about a guy who contributes to the MLB Network. All right, Craig Mish knows his baseball. Really excited to have him on the show. We talked about the early season profitable teams in our last segment. Now I want to talk about the teams that have been burning their backers in early season play. And it starts with a couple of teams, Rob, that were among the favorites to win their division. Most notably, the single most disappointing team this year, the Minnesota Twins. And a team that got off to the most ridiculous start of any team and then has cooled off dramatically since, the L.A. Dodgers. Twins and Dodgers, to you, which is the bigger disappointment in early season play? And particularly for Minnesota, I mean, the Dodgers are going to be there. Are the Twins going to turn this around? I don't know. I'm not sure. It doesn't look good. Um, the sample is a lot bigger than two weeks. There's still 10 or 11 games under 500. Um, you know, you're supposed to know what your team is like on Memorial Day. And in general, through the years, you look at teams on Memorial Day and what their record is, and it kind of carries off the rest of the season. The exception to that was Washington a couple of years ago. They went on yep. an unbelievable run and ended up winning the World Series. So, yeah, I definitely have concerns with the Twins. They're not hitting at all. Their bullpen is an absolute wreck. That was the strong point of their team over the last couple of years. So, look, the Lions have definitely adjusted to their games, and I've seen it. I think there'll be more adjustment. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, you have to be concerned with them at this point. I don't know what else there is to say. They're, they're playing very poorly. It's not like they're losing one-run games. They're losing five-run games. They're blowing games from the sixth inning on. And they just haven't got any dominant pitching performances. So maybe this is the big disappointing team this season. But certainly, look, anything can happen in a week or two when we could be sitting on, on Memorial Day and they're 500. So I'll reserve final judgment for two weeks. But if you tell me they're 10 games under on the 31st of May, I think that's it. And, of course, the Dodgers are amongst the least profitable teams, not because they're a bad team or because they're losing a lot of games, but – you know, when you're laying the when you're $2, $3, $4 favorites on a night-in, night-out basis and you lose and you're not winning six out of or seven or eight or nine out of ten, um, you end up costing your backers money. But they're not the only team in the NL West that's cost their backers money so far this season. The Colorado Rockies 
stand at or near the top of the list of least profitable teams. And I don't think there are many people, Craig, that are expecting a turnaround from Colorado anytime soon. No, but all of the losses in terms of the finances have been on the road. They've been very good at home this year. So I, I don't know that that will maintain. It's very hard to win at cores on the road, and it's hard for the Rockies to win once they go on the road because they've adjusted to the altitude there. It's just something through the years that's never changed. Rockies are not going to shake the world on fire. I don't think anything will change with them. The path that you see and the record you see, you could probably extrapolate over the course of 162. So I, I don't see any massive change one way or the other with them. Uh, and, and it's not like they have they have pitching assets that they're going to trade that's going to make them worse. They'll be about the same. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of assets uh, at all uh, for Colorado to deal at the deadline. A couple of teams in the NL East stand out in the least profitable teams category through the first quartile of the MLB season. The Braves and the Nationals. Atlanta was supposed to be good. Washington, not so much. Do either of these teams offer money-making potential, let's say, over the next quartile of the season? Yeah, I think Atlanta does. That's probably the one team that is, uh, you know, look, the Dodgers, even though they haven't been profitable, it doesn't really make a difference if they are or not. They're not going to be profitable regardless because they're going to be, you know, like you said, minus 200 or 250. If you're not betting the run line on the Dodgers, then I don't know what you're doing unless you're parlaying them with somebody else. But, um, yeah, Atlanta Atlanta just hasn't gotten a lot of betting respect even. I see a lot of their games there only minus 120 or minus 130. Look, Freddie Freeman's been doing this for 10 years. He's going to do it. Acuna is is probably in line to win the MVP. They have a great offense. Their pitching is just really underachieved, and I think it's too small a sample. I think the Braves will be fine, and my guess is they'll be extremely profitable from now until the end of the season. The Nationals, on the other hand, is, is just a poorly constructed team. I don't know if they thought the DH was going to be there, but Kyle Schwarber's batting under 200. Josh Bell's batting under 200. These are two players they got in the offseason that everyone said were huge moves for them, and they've been almost complete busts. Uh, it's an odd way to build a team, and, and then you're counting on those three starting pitchers, and one hasn't pitched at all. The other one has had very mixed results in Patrick Corbin, and then we know Max Scherzer was very good. Uh, Nationals had two good months. Well, we'll make it three. Three good months in two years. Zero in 2020 and only August and September in 2019. Let's get real. They're just not a good team. Um, well, a great player, maybe the best player in Soto, one of the best players in Scherzer, all-star in Trey Turner, not much else. It's uh, it, it's a sub-500 team. That's not going to change. I think you left out a month, though, because they had a pretty good October in 2019 October, <laughs> yeah, well. but that was not a playoff. That was not a, play- that was not a, that was not a regular season. That was a playoff, yes. but yes, you're right. So we'll give them July, August, September, October. Four months in almost three years. <laughs> so not very much. It's just a consistent good play for the Nats. Craig says, let's look to bet against Washington moving forward. Two more teams I want to talk about amongst the least profitable, both in the AL Central, and both have really been slumping. I think both are pretty hopeless. The Tigers uh, and the Royals. Of the two, is there is either one of them, is there a chance that, that betters can find a winning streak with Detroit or Kansas City and make some money with them? Well, I mean, look, I, I mean, baseball is so is so trendy. I, I think the Orioles, uh, I'm sorry, I think the uh, the Royals fared better on, uh, on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, but... Uh, I think the Royals are definitely better than the Tigers. I do. I, I think the Tigers are, are still in a very heavy rebuild mode. 
and just kind of get through the season mode. And, and so I think they'll probably end up losing 100. I, I thought Kansas City had a shot to, to win 75, 80 games, and I know it hasn't gone well for them lately. But I, I still hold some optimism there. I, I, I would not say that what you've seen the last two weeks is indicative of what you'll see the rest of the season. So Tigers would probably just be a leave it alone. This is who they're going to be. But I may be a little bullish on Kansas City moving forward. They can't be this bad. Yeah, the Royals may be a little bit of money over the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, they haven't made me a whole lot of money late, but I haven't given up hope on that team. Craig Mish says don't give up hope on Kansas City just yet. Let's talk about the early season trenders when it comes to MLB totals. And there are three teams that stand out as over teams in early season play. The Reds, the Angels, and the Twins. And normally when we're talking about over teams, we're talking about good lineups and or bad bullpens. Of that trio, Reds, Angels, Twins, do you expect to see all three of them continue on that path as good over bets on a night-in, night-out basis? Or is there one of them you expect either the bullpen's going to get better or the lineup's going to get worse? <laughs> Cincy, L.A., Minnesota. Break it down from a total standpoint. Well, the Reds is very easy when they're playing at home. You know that they're going to score a lot of runs. It's basically you know playing at Coors Field, playing playing in Great American Ballpark. They score a lot of runs there, and um, you know the Reds pitching isn't that great. So I would I would think that especially at home that would continue. The Angels have a great offense, but they haven't really been able to pitch. So there's no reason to think why that wouldn't continue as well. But with the Twins. Look, again, if they dismantle and trade some players, then I don't know how the Twins would look in that uh, July 31st on. And on top of it, I, I can't – I mean, look, teams have historically bad bullpen seasons, but the Twins have a talented bullpen. It's just they're not pitching well. So I think the Reds and Angels probably safe to continue that trend. But I'm not so sure about the Twins because while their offense on paper is great, it hasn't shown anything. And on top of it, uh, what's really – sort of shown its head this season is batting averages are just so far down because the way the pitchers have been able to throw and manipulate the ball and the twins have been unable to overcome some of those off-speed pitches they're striking out at a historic rate so if that's the case and that continues i i would think that at some point that's going to turn the other direction when it comes to unders so far in mlb action here at the quarter pole basically we're talking only teams in the east <laughs> The Yankees and the Orioles in the AL East, the Nats and the Mets in the NL East. Teams that have all gotten solid bullpen work and not getting a whole lot from their lineups. Any of those four stand out as a team that's likely to stop cashing unders anytime soon? And any of them stand out to you as a team you just want to bet them under all year long? Yanks and O's, Nats and Mets. Yeah, when it comes to the Yankees, I, I, I really don't even bet anything with the Yankees. You're always paying a Yankee tax on their line. You're always paying an over tax on, you know, on, their, on their total because everybody loves the Yankees and they love the over, and, and so I'll just stay away from that completely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Nationals would seem to be a team that's just going to continue because their offense is brutal, and I know that they missed Soto for two weeks. That has to be factored in. Um, so I would say that that would be one to continue. But the Mets, uh, look, they struggled so much at the beginning of the season to hit the ball, and, and they had DeGrom pitching out of his mind. You know that in two weeks from now, these under's going to look a lot different with the Mets. DeGrom's not going to pitch, and plus Lindor's going to hit. So will Conforto, and eventually Nimmo will come back too. So 
Um, you know, these I, I think that I think the Mets could turn the other way. I really don't have a strong opinion on the Orioles. I wouldn't touch the Yankees, but I think to continue on the Nationals path is probably fair. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that uh, at all. So look for perhaps for the Nats to continue cashing unders. The Mets may be an over team over the next quarter of the MLB season. I've teased it twice now. I got to tease it one more time. I had Sean Manaya at Fenway on Thursday. A big bet. I'm going to ask Craig Mish after the break how I can avoid those off starts from stud pitchers because this time of year, starting pitching tends to be priced correctly. See what Craig Mish thinks about this subject, how to avoid those bad starts from the aces after the break. Cover it. Continue. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi Red. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM with Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And we've got one more segment here with Craig Mitch. Craig, again, a guy with a really impressive resume. MLB Network contributor, senior baseball contributor to Herald Sports, Swings and Mishes podcast. He does Marlins podcast, and of course, he's right here on the Sports Grid Network, noon to two Eastern Standard Time on weekdays. And look, I want to ask you about this because I haven't figured out the way to avoid them. By May in MLB, the starting pitching is usually priced correctly. you just got to gauge when a guy is primed for a good or bad effort. You may see a handful of undervalued pitchers or a handful of overvalued pitchers, but by and large, the markets price the starting pitching fairly correctly. And yet... I thought I was getting a bargain price. My line was Oakland minus 140, and I'm getting them at Pickham. I loaded up on the A's at Fenway, and I watched Manaya get absolutely rocked <laughs> and not get it out uh, in the third inning. And uh, he only gave up seven, but it could have been worse than that. Have you ever found a way to avoid those off starts from pitchers that you like? Are there any trends or angles or anything you can bring to the table when it comes to helping other betters avoid the type of mistakes that I just made. Well, look, I, I can't speak to what, um, you know, I can't speak to what Manaya did in his, uh, in his last start. Um, and, and I can't speak to what he did in his previous start. So I don't know what that would have led to Teddy going into it, but that I, I can definitely tell you that anytime a pitcher throws above 10 or 20% above his, his normal pitch count and goes into a start within a five day period. That's someone that initially I'd want to take a look at the first five innings against him on the other team. And I know that's kind of a soft way of looking at baseball and it's really unfortunate that that's what we're dealing with, but that's definitely a factor for a lot of pitchers. Um, so, so as an example, you know, you see a pitcher uh, who's, let's say, a first, second, or third-year pitcher. And, again, this doesn't apply to Max Scherzer, Teddy, or Adam Wainwright, or anyone who's been yep. around for 10 years because they know their own bodies. But uh, you have a young pitcher who is not used to being extended 
ends up throwing 106 pitches and normally throws about 90, in all likelihood, the next time out, those first five innings don't go normally as well. It's just the wear and tear on the body is, is not quite the same. So, um, you know, that's just something that I've looked at in the past as far as a possibility. I can't say that it works every single time, but whenever I notice a pitcher going heavy into a start, I like to fade him the next time around. Uh, but also keep in mind, again, you know, sometimes this day and age managers will give that pitcher an extra day. So they'll start on six days rest instead of five. And so it kind of makes it null and void. Yeah. Uh, Myers coming off of you throwing 91 pitches his previous outing when he threw the no-no through seven. Uh, I think 81 the outing before that. So he wasn't on a high pitch count. Uh, coming off a high pitch count, that said, the number for me that's always a giant red flag is when he gets to 110. Uh, pitcher throws 110 plus pitches one time, especially when they're not used to throwing that. They're almost an automatic bet against, for me, in their next ball game. But I talked about starting pitching as being the starting point. And of course it is. And I talked about how by this time of the season, it's usually priced correctly. I want to focus with you on bullpens and lineups right now. And I'm going to ask you basically four questions for each. Let's start with this. Give me right now an overrated bullpen or two primed for failure over the summer. Well, I think we mentioned the Blue Jays, so we'll uh, we'll go back to them. But again, it, this is a Teddy. This is a tough one because most of the overrated bullpens are going to make moves to bolster their bullpens in July. So, I mean, we'd only be talking about the next couple of months. Toronto is playing to win right now, so I would say that uh, it's not that they're overrated. It's just that they're a good team that looks like they have a chance, but I don't think they can get out in the ninth inning and the eighth inning as time goes on. So, Toronto would be one team. Another team that generally has had a great bullpen through the years. And when I talk about great, talk about the best, that's Tampa Bay. It's not the same this year. It's big trouble for them. So Tampa Bay and Toronto. Right on. It's too, again, when I'm talking about bad bullpens, those tend to be, again, teams you want to be betting against for full games and or teams you want to look to bet the over. What about a disastrous bullpen that's just going to struggle all year? We've seen a couple of those early. Anyone stand out to you? This is just not... Uh, a pen that we can trust to get outs ever. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, you probably have to look at the, the bullpens that have struggled the most, and I, I think the Angels are probably right at the top of the list in terms of uh, in terms of that. So that would be one team that I would look to. They've had all kinds of problems saving games. I think they've blown seven, um, you know, and on top of it, they're still a few games under five hundred. So. That's a team, I think, that has a struggling bullpen. And then the other team is uh, is the Cincinnati Reds. They have tried several different arms in the eighth and ninth inning, and they've all failed, and I don't see any help on the horizon. So Reds and Angels would be the two teams that concern me. And, of course, when we're talking about disastrous bullpens, it means if you're going to back the Angels or the Reds, you may want to look first five as opposed to full game for those two teams. Great stuff, Craig. I'm really enjoying this, and I, I find that the – Let's put it this way. I'm writing down everything you're saying. Underrated bullpen, prime for success moving forward. A pen that may not have the big arms or the big salaries, but a pen that's been fairly successful early and and may well continue to be that in an under-the-radar fashion. Any team stand out for you in that regard? Yeah, well, um, you know, there's definitely a couple. I think, um, you know, Houston's bullpen as time goes on. They have a great pitching coach there. They're always able to piece different players together to make it all work. And I and I think that that's a team in the second half also to keep an eye on. They have Ryan Presley, who went healthy, is a really good closer. 
Um, you know, they've got a couple of other brand new arms this season that once they get with Brent Strom, the pitching coach, usually he's able to get things right. So that's certainly one of them. And then, look, the Indians don't have an underrated bullpen because you probably know who their arms are by now. But between this guy, Karen Chak, who everyone thought was going to be the closer, and Emmanuel Classe, who is the closer, uh, I mean, that's as good as Milwaukee's in the eighth and ninth inning. So Cleveland needs to be talked about more in that category. Astros and Indians as underrated bullpens primed for some success. And what about an elite bullpen? And again, we talk about the disastrous pens for first five inning purposes. The elite bullpens, in my mind, are, are the same. These are teams that if you're going to bet against them, you might want to bet against them first five as opposed to full game because not going to get all the hits, a whole lot of hits and runs against them in the latter stages. Uh, what elite pens should we respect? Well, that's where the Cardinals do have an advantage. I really like who they throw out there in the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth, and, um, and, and the guy who they have closing their games out right now, Alex Reyes, to me, uh, has as, as dominant stuff as any pitcher that I've seen in Major League Baseball in years. And they finally, they're finally they keeping him healthy by putting him in the bullpen. Uh, he's already saved 13 games. I think that's second in the National League in saves. He's only given up, I believe, one run all season. Uh, that's the reason why the Cardinals are 20, uh, you know, eight games over 500 this year is because they're winning all of these close games. So uh, St. Louis's bullpen looks great. Their starting pitching to me is thin, but as you get to the later innings with them, it seems like they have a knack for winning all those one-run games. And that's not a skill because that thing can flip on you the following year. It pretty much the team that wins the most one-run games one year loses the most the year after that. When I bet season win totals, what I do, Teddy, is I look at the team that won the most one-run games, and I bet against that the next year because that's, that is that is lucky. Uh, but St. Yeah. Louis, to me, is that one team with Reyes in the ninth that looks dominant. The Cardinals, a team with no depth but with a strong uh, bullpen, a team we want to watch into the first five versus full game because it's hard to score runs against the Cards in the latter stages. I want to talk lineups in just a minute, Craig, but I do want to give you a chance and make sure you get ample opportunity to promote yourself and what you're doing. So please tell our audience where they can find you, what podcast you got going, your Twitter handle, and all that kind of stuff. Promote. Uh, well, it would, it would take too long, so I would just tell people <laughs> to follow me on Twitter. Yeah, there's too many things that I do that uh, it would, we'd be here. It would be another 40 minutes. So uh, just you know, follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish and listen to me and, and, and watch my show on Sports Grid from noon to 2 Eastern. And all the other stuff that I do is you know can be found on my social media timelines and all of the, the work, writing work and reporting work that I do, Teddy. It's, uh, in order to be in this business, you've got to be very multifaceted. Yep. And I try to I try to not turn down opportunities until I've really heard the person out. So and that and that as you can see that from my my resume there. No doubt, and of course, heck, you agreed to do a show with me, and I appreciate that very much. Great analysis from Craig Mitch, and again on Twitter, C R A I G M I S H at Craig Mish on Twitter. We've got about three minutes left, and I want you to tell me about some lineups. I want an overrated lineup prime for failure over the summer. Wow, good question. An overrated lineup prime for failure. Well, I mean, can I, I don't know that I can use the Red Sox because, honestly, the Red Sox, they, they have 
you know, Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and, and Raphael Devers. So they do have a strong 3-4-5, so I certainly wouldn't doubt them. Um, boy, it's a really good question. I mean, I guess I'll go back to Tampa Bay again. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's really working for Tampa Bay this season as well. Uh, they're a game over 500, but I'm not really a huge believer in, in what I've seen. But, but, Teddy, that's the biggest mistake you can make in betting. Outside of betting against Brady and Belichick, you don't bet against the Rays. They end up screwing you in the end. So um, Tampa Bay is one team that worries me. Uh, and the National League is a little bit easier because I'm not a believer in the Cubs at all. And I think that they're built to fail. So I think that the Cubs offensively, I know Bryant's had a great start, but it's not always how you start, it's how you finish. And to me, Baez is supremely overrated. Uh, you know, their outfield is weak, half's on the injured list. I could see them moving some players. So offensively, I know the Cubs have gotten off to a pretty good start. Bryant carried them, but I think that will change. So I think that lineup will go the other way. Rays and Red, uh, Rays, potentially the Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs as being teams primed to for some failure from a hitting standpoint. What about a disastrous lineup? They're just going to struggle all year. You know, a team that's not going to score runs uh, with no help on the horizon. Anyone stand out to you in that regard? Yeah, I mean, Detroit, you know, obviously Detroit has, uh, you know, a very poor offense. Um, you know, uh, very few players that are that are on the rise. Very few players that they could call up this year. I think that's also another key. Uh, you know, they have Willie Castro is a nice player. You know, lots of guys on one-year deals. Not not in love with basically anybody there. They still have Miguel Cabrera, Candelario. Not a good offense there for sure. And then in the National League, it's obviously the Pirates. But I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I mean, the yeah. Pirates are just basically fielding a Triple A team this year and, and overachieving in every way. I give them a lot of credit for what they, what's happened with them. They lost their best player in Week One, and they're still hovering around 500. It's really amazing. They've gotten some good pitching performances, but. In the end, the Pirates are going to end up with the worst record in the National League, probably. And this, this uh, April May will be a little bit of a mirage. Um, you know, two nice players in their lineup, in uh, Newman and Frazier at the top, but they have no power at all. And uh, and I hate to say it, but they're not really trying to win this year. So Pirates <laughs> at the bottom for me. Tigers and Pirates, as disastrous lineups likely to struggle all year long. Craig, I really want to thank you. I genuinely enjoyed spending time with you today. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're in the home stretch of covering it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And, of course, i got to thank my guests. Great show today, Craig Mish at Craig Mish on Twitter, breaking down MLB. And, of course, Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter are breaking down college football and the NFL. And there were a couple of questions that I didn't get a chance to ask Craig. i got to answer myself. <laughs> Underrated lineup primed to break out over the summer. And it really is an interesting question in that regard. And he said he's not convinced the Twins are going to do it. I think Minnesota is going to score runs in bunches at some point 
<laughs> this Twins offense will come to life in a real way. I don't know if they're an underrated lineup or not. Philadelphia is another team. The Phillies have underachieved offensively again this year. And you look at that lineup and say, this team's got to be able to hit. They can't go on like this forever. But, <laughs> you know, I think we're going to see the Phillies offense come to life this summer. I think they're going to cash some over tickets. And I think they're going to win some games. And, of course, Minnesota, the same story, cashing some overs and probably winning some games as well. When it comes to an elite lineup that you don't want to bet games under with, that's not so easy. You know, I thought that was a hard question. Unfortunately, we ran out of time uh, with Craig. I didn't get to ask him. The one team that stands out to me, obviously, is the L.A. Dodgers, who have as potent a lineup as there is, and I'm no fan of betting Dodger games under the total, but they're pitching so good, it's hard to bet them under. <laughs> you know? Uh, or hard to bet them over. It's a similar story with the Astros in that regard. You know, where the pitching's good enough, but the lineup's good enough. A lot of times... The elite teams, and it's something Craig talked about with your Yankees, with your Dodgers. Elite teams, hard to bet on, hard to bet against. You don't want to stand in front of those squads, but the price to support them, often a little bit too high. And that goes for MLB, goes for NBA, NFL, college football, etc. The elites, hey, they're fun to talk about, but it's the teams that are almost elite that you can often make the most money with over the course of a football, baseball, or basketball season. That's it. Wrap it up. We'll do it next week. Enjoy the games and good luck between now and then. Cheers. All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail.